Well, it's good you had a good, I mean, I've had nothing but good experiences. Once I had kind of a scary. I've, I've had really scary ones too, but those. But like you come out me. of it. You come out, you talk about it and you're like, that's why that happened. Yeah. So we're talking about ketamine intravenously, mm -hmm. just for anyone listening. With a doctor with a doc on site. Yes, with a doctor. Not being snorted at a club in Miami. <laughs> no. Um. Hey everyone, welcome to Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and I've suffered from depression nearly my entire life. It sucks. This is a podcast that focuses on mental health broken down in a relatable way and told through personal experiences. P.S. I'm not a doctor, but each week my guests and I will cover everything from recognizing symptoms of anxiety and depression to providing accessible tips, tools, and resources that support mental wellness. So get your weekly prescription with me. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nera, and today we have Charlotte McKinney joining us. Welcome, Charlotte. Thank you for having me. Yes. I'm so excited to be here. Also, your place is amazing. I hate um, her to say that. Yes, no, but I, I may move in. When, okay. when I sat on the toilet and it warmed me, uh, it was kind of a game changer. So you're like, this is my You're clearly place. doing everything right. Okay. Um, so. Oh my gosh. Well, I know we have so much to talk about. So much. So you were just speaking about the industry right? Mm -hmm. The acting and modeling yes. industry. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But before, can you take us through sort of how you got to this place? I know everyone always brings up the Carl's Jr. commercial. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I think I've now been doing this almost a little over like 12 years now. Okay. And yeah, I started back in Florida, dropped out of high school, wanted to become a model. I wanted to find a way to get into the yeah. entertainment industry. and. For me growing up, I didn't know anyone at home. Like, you know, you need to know someone or you can't just write. So I was like, oh, I'll use modeling to like get my way to LA to try and act and this and that. And it was, it didn't happen overnight for me. I was, it was at the time when boobs weren't very cool and everyone was skinny <laughs> and I was just this like curvy girl with crazy curly hair and I couldn't really get signed. And so I just kind of hustled and. Was this still in Florida or you had come Yeah, here? this was in okay. Miami. And it was kind of like the closest place I could go to that yeah. I knew there was like a world I could work in. And so I did that and just kind of like didn't really, nothing really took off. Didn't find a, didn't find reps. Just was, it's tough. And then living in Miami, the partying, being young and very stupid. <laughs> so, you know, I spent, spent a lot of time doing that. And then, you know, I found a agent in New York, Craig Lawrence at the time, who took interest in me and then kind of started going to New York and shooting and then booked. Then it like slowly started happening. And I came to a point, I'm like, am I going to live in New York and like do the modeling thing? Or do I want to go to California? And I was like, I want to go to California. And I booked guests and then guests led me to Carl's Jr. And then okay. kind of used the Carl's Jr. to then, you know, at the time I got reps at UTA and I was like, I want to act. Right. I knew nothing. I knew nothing I was doing. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know what anything was. And I just kind of got thrown into it. My first movie was with David Spade on a comedy. And I, that first day on set, I just fell in love with it. And the rest was kind of history from that. Right. It's funny. I just come from like a very self-made hustle. It's yeah. all on you. No one's going to land you, like lend a hand. So I love that that's kind of how I started. And it kind of always keeps me super grounded, mm -hmm. keeps me always you know, trying to find the next gig. I didn't know you were an actress too. So tell me 
about that. <laughs> and oh also, gosh. side note, we met at a brunch, and when I sat yes. next to you, I like felt this amazing like energy oh, of this girl <laughs> is cool and gets it. I do not act anymore, but I yes, I acted and wrote a film. But I, when the pandemic hit, I actually had sort of an epiphany of I don't want to do this anymore because I think people don't realize that it is so much rejection. And I think I come to a point where I just was like, why am I giving my blood, sweat and tears for nothing in return? And it's weird because now that I'm out of it, I'm like, wow, that was really cool that I did that for so long. Yeah, yeah, totally. And now that I'm competing with riding, you know, in horse yeah. competitions, totally. people are always asking me, how are you not nervous? Or how? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I've had to like masturbate in a room with like five men. Like this is like me too. Well, that's well, like that's, the worst things you could imagine. Know, like riding on a horse is like nothing. Totally. Like, Even now, I'm, I do stand up, and everyone's like, yeah. "I can't believe you're doing stand up." I'm like, yeah. "I've been in the industry for so long. Like modeling at age 16. Like oh, this gosh. is the least of my problems. If yeah. you don't laugh at me, I don't care. You yeah. know." In that world, you put yourself through such traumatizing, yeah. horrendous things. You don't even realize. You are. don't even realize. And then you like, yeah, COVID comes and you're like, <laughs> I've been so go to this, do this for mm-hmm. everyone else. And then COVID came and you're like, I'm going to do stuff that brings me joy and where I feel good. I'm still trying to find what that is. <laughs> I but, didn't even know you did stand up. That's yeah, awesome. So I've been doing stand up. So after COVID, I was like, I need to like move my muscle. I need to be around right. people. And I had done like a thing on a show and they had put like a mic in my ear to do stand up. I'm right. like, oh, that's easy because I'm hearing the jokes and it was like a funny thing. But then I was like, oh, shit, I really like this. Yes. And it's not to like, you know, be the next huge comedian. It's just something fun. Yeah. And I'm not putting pressure on it. It's not like I have to make money and I have to do this. It's kind of just been this like fun outlet for me right. to just say, screw it. This is the world I lived in. And I want to poke fun at it. I can either cry about the trauma and the world I live in, or I can come in here and poke fun at it. And I feel, for me, it's just been a fun outlet because the world we live in right now is so crazy. And we go to these events, we're around these people, and for me, it's content. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. And, like, people are so... Ridiculous. Ridiculous. (laughs) So far up their own arse. And it's just fun to, like, you know, poke fun at. But, like, what we're talking about is when people bring up oh, like, my daughter wants to get into the industry or she wants to model, like, can you talk to her? I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I wouldn't wish my worst enemy to do. I know. I mean, I I honestly wouldn't either going through. I mean, maybe, I don't know if maybe now, I guess that's a question really for you. Do you think it has changed? I will. I I will totally say, like, my last film I did, Mm -hmm. I've never heard of an intimacy coordinator. Yes, I've heard that's a thing now. Oh, my so God. Is, can you explain <laughs> Where this? were what they, like, yeah. when we really needed them, when you were masturbating on set? I had, like, a stripping scene in a, in a movie, and there was a woman there who stood by me the whole time. Wow. Held my robe, made sure everyone was decent on set, no comments, no weird things, no touching, no, like, literally every take would pull me to the side and say, are you okay? Do you need something? I was like, holy shit. That's really, I was shocked. I've never, I've never even heard of this. I didn't even know this was a thing. Right. And my other meeting the other day with a director, she was like, yeah, and I was doing, you know, intimacy coordinating. I'm like, oh, we're really doing this. Yeah. So when I heard that, I'm like, that makes me feel so much better for the younger generation of women. And like, you know, I have nieces and I have, I I see this and I'm like, to feel if they were in that situation, Mm -hmm. it's a different world. But also, you can't, there's no way to, like, prep someone into the constant auditions, the mm-hmm. constant rejection. Every day you're waking up being told no. Mm-hmm. And after doing that for so long, 
No, and it's also for me in relation to my mental health, because it was so high and low, you know, I'd get so much of a dopamine hit going to an audition. You're like, I killed it. Then you get in the car and and you just feel horrible. But for me, because it was like an unknowing and I was anxious and it just was this sort of roller coaster. And I thought this isn't worth it for me, you know? And circling back to that, like dopamine thing, my Mm -hmm. world has such an impact on my mental health. Yeah. That excitement, then down, then, oh, maybe, then down. Mm -hmm. It's not very healthy. You can't (laughs) keep a balanced mood. And, like, for me, everything during the week, I realize how depressed I get of just dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I have to work on it and definitely want to talk to you about how you cope with stuff, but have to find a better way to deal with not having that steady Mm-hmm. And I think for you, it's like finding a podcast or finding these things and finding these other outlets, because if you're putting your happiness on casting directors and jobs, you'll forever be unhappy. That's you true. Know? And my mom's really been pushing lately. She's like, I just want to die knowing you are happy. And like, Aww. I want you to fa- like, I want you to feel fulfilled. And that's why, I mean, I work with my charities and things like that. But finding those other things you're passionate about, I think, is how you stay alive. Right. You know. it's, it, well, it's, it's finding your way of integrity. Exactly. Like by Martha Peck right now. And it's, I think that really can be life-changing. But I, I think also when you're really low, it's important to experiment with different methods, which is also why we connected. Um, when I was doing my research, I was really fascinated and also excited. This sounds awful, but excited to learn that you have interstitial societies because I was misdiagnosed with that like 10 years ago. It, but like I, but I'm telling, but I had the symptoms and it's so, and I feel like people don't even understand what that is. So I don't know where you want to start or oh what you're comfortable God. sharing, but well, I thought well, that was really start, interesting. Let's start with how were you misdiagnosed and what do you have and what happened there? Okay. Well, so I'm tell gonna, me that story. I'm, I, I, I'm going to read, know. I'm going to read the definition. It's interstitial cystitis. It's yes. a chronic condition causing bladder pressure, bladder pain, and sometimes pelvic pain. The pain ranges from mild discomfort to severe pain. The condition is part of a spectrum of diseases known as painful bladder syndrome. Here's the really great thing. Treatment can help, but this condition can't be cured. And that to me was... Of course, it's something only women get, really. Yeah, I mean, men can get it, but it's a bit different. It's definitely a different thing. But that to me, that underlining thing, no one understands. And when I was diagnosed, and that's where I kind of just became paralyzed, was what year was that that you were? This was, I've been diagnosed maybe for the last four years. Okay. It's awful though. For anyone, were you just having symptoms? I mean, well, not to get to in the, the no, man. The man no. filming this is like, I'll be outside. He's like, I'm leaving. Um, yeah, um, he's like, I'll take two. Yeah, um, but my, please, I'm please a family me. of gynecologists, so I'm very, that. yeah, I'm very knowledgeable about all the lady parts, all. And I was just what I thought was getting UTIs. Yeah, and of my uncle finally was like, because I was like, I need now this your urethra. Yes, yes. Wondering, okay. he said, I think you have. He's like, you need to go see your gynecologist. I think you have. You may have interstitial cystitis. Or, yeah. Or I don't know if he said that, but then my gynecologist said it. Got it. So then I went to this urologist and I ended up, you want to hear something so painful. And it was, this was actually the lowest point of my life. This was November, 2019. It takes you low, man. So low. I ended up having to get Botox in my vagina. So when people talk about pain, it's like, you just have, 
And all my girlfriends are like, we're jealous, okay? Your vagina's going to be really young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, you're like, that's not what I'm And I just remember my for. urologist, like, just being like, well, this can help. And then what I realized, I just had a tight pelvic floor. Meanwhile, I started going down the path of how to cure this. And then I worked with this pelvic floor therapist, you know, physical therapist. Mm-hmm. And she was like, wait, you don't always have to pee. Or like the more we kind of- You figured untapped, it out. Yeah. I was like, wait, this isn't inner. Yeah. But it's like such a mystery. And and in women weren't even part of clinical trials till I think it was 1993. So totally. that's not even that long ago. And here's a condition that mainly affects women and there's no cure. I mean- And for you, it's like, even with mm-hmm. pelvic stuff, or anything you're dealing with in that region, it's whether it's IC, endometriosis, whatever it is. (laughs) It's just as a woman, it's like the center of your body. And when you have any sort of discomfort there, whether it's just your period or this and that, it's so painful. No offense, but penis owners do not understand it. I I always say to my my boyfriend, I'm like, (laughs) if you knew what this felt like yeah. Two minutes, you would would understand why I'm psycho. Yeah, you wouldn't last like 20 seconds. Exactly. So, so happy that it wasn't that for you. Yeah. Did you find you did like pelvic floor practice? And And I just, you know, and I I think also for some people, you have to sometimes go back to realizing, oh, is did this start me, you know, holding here from this? You know, sometimes the, the normal therapy, but I really encourage anyone. It's listening, pelvic floor therapy. I had a great PT and she really helped me. So I found out I had it because I have on my right side, like kind of this kidney disease, like a sponge kidney. And okay. I had 20 plus stones on my right side. <gasps> so I had a surgery to get oh some of them out. You know, with having kidney stones, I always had to pee and infections. Yeah, I heard they're and so painful. Kidney infections. I mean, your kidney is such a part yeah, of the working body. Awful. And I was kind of always dealing with this. I went in for that surgery and it took really long. I remember my mom being there and just not understanding why it wasn't getting out. And how old were you? This was, I was early 20s or mm-hmm. mid 20s, mm-hmm. 24 or mm-hmm. five. My mom just, yeah, we were all like, what's going on? I finally get out and my urologist was like, you have IC. Not only is your kidney oh, just a stone, right. but you have your the lining. So they There's could holes see, in the lining. They could see the cause because they were there with okay. the camera. Yes. So, so that's what to backtrack quickly. So part of interstitial cystitis is that there's holes in your bladder lining. That's totally what, okay. Okay. Totally. And, and it, it not even holes sometimes. It could just be inflammation. Okay. That's redness. Okay. I mean you can look you can look online and see normal bladder and then an icy oh. bladder. It's just like red and marks and Okay. It's an angry bladder. Angry bladder. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, when you Google it and you read, can't be cured. Yeah, 200,000 cases a year. And, you know, I come back and this is while I'm trying to, like, manage my career, manage, you know, a relationship. Oh, forget it. It kind of kills relationships. When your vagina hurts, it's like, I mean, I mean you get yeah, it. Yeah, it's, I spiraled like yeah. I mean, I was in probably the darkest place in my life. Like, you know, you, mm-hmm. when I really read into it, I'm like seeing like suicide is such a thing with it and serious depression and all these doctors oh, just want to give you Oxycontin. It's traumatizing in, in and you feel office. like what's wrong with you, right? Like as a woman, I just remember being like, I don't understand why I can't be normal because for me, and I think for many that suffer from this, intercourse makes it worse. 
Even if you don't have pain with intercourse, which I didn't, it would just be like two days later, I'd be like, what is going on? Totally. It's just really depressing. It's it's just at the end of the day, it's really depressing. And I felt I couldn't show up and be the best version of myself. My sister would invite me out and I'd be at like my niece's birthday parties and I would just be in the corner, like huddled in pain, bitchy, nappy. And everyone's like, what's her yeah, well, it's like we you're in pain. And yeah. I'm like, if you have any clue, the thing that I try and like bring aware with IC is you can't see it. I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm not right. walking around with these things. So you see me. It's like a broken leg. Yeah, you see someone like me and you're like, oh, she's living the dream and she's doing mm-hmm. all these things and she's at these events and this and that. It's not. Like, you're like, you're, I'm on the toilet yes, trying to pee. Yes. Yeah. Like I walk <laughs> on the carpet yeah, and yeah. then I'm unbuttoning my pants. Yeah, no, totally. I'm flaring, yeah. You know? Yeah. So. For me, what I want to try and bring light to is like, we all have our issues. And it's like, I don't want to be like, boo-hoo me, I have IC, but we all have, everyone has something, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, fat or chronic pain or things like this. So so for me, I'll kind of go back of the, my depression during that time was just like, just literally just paralyzing. Have always just had horrible anxiety and depression. It's just, it's my chemicals in my brain. That's just you know, right, since what, the fourth grade. Did, yeah, did you I mean, remember being depressed too? More, more, more of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, I mean, second grade, I was put on Ritalin. Like they just, right. threw, they didn't know what to do with me. I had ADD, I had dyslexia. They were right. just throwing right. pills at right. me as a kid. And God bless my mother because it's hard to do that with a child. It's hard yeah. to put a kid on medication, but then it's like, put your kid on medication or they physically can't go to school because yeah. they're afraid. Yeah. So you know, I, I bless her because she now is like, God, I wish I never, you know, did that or this and that. I'm like, you were just doing. Yeah. The best you could do I it. was put on Ritalin in the second grade. Yeah. Like, like, totally. yeah it's like, they're you just know. trying. And I think something for a lot of moms out there too, of like, it's hard to put a kid on medication, mm-hmm. but sometimes that's what they need. Yeah, absolutely. Medicine. We're lucky to have the doctors totally. and medicine and Everything at, especially I feel like in Southern California, there are so many alternate treatment plans or different, you could try different things, but sometimes people need medicine. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was just kind of, you know, I'd been, I had tried more medication with the depression while Putrin and, and on top of the Lexapro and this and that and flagellant. I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. And then there kind of came a point and I'm like, finally, like, you know, what, screw it. I'm going to talk about it. Using ketamine therapy was what really saved me. Yes. I think people hear it and they're like, oh, that's like a party drug and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. When my psychiatrist first mentioned to me, I was like, a horse track? You were spooked out. I was like, like, related to horse. I was like, I did lines of that in high school. Like, Like, what are we talking? I I was so confused. And I was like, you know what? At this point, I'll try anything. Right. It wasn't like I walked into an office and he goes, you're doing ketamine. Right. It was years of trying you know I'm doing this once every three months and right. it's help you know instead of taking a pill every day it's like one little treatment right you go to the happiest place in the world yeah and well it's good you had a good I mean I've had nothing but good experiences once I had kind of a scary I've, I've had really scary ones too but those but like you come out me. of it you come out you talk about it and you're like that's why that happened yeah so we're talking about ketamine intravenously, mm-hmm. just for anyone listening. With a doctor. With a doctor, yes. With a doctor. Not being snorted at a club in Miami. <laughs> no. Um. No, we're not talking about that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's it's really life-changing. For me, I feel like it. it's as if someone took a vacuum to my brain and, like, cleaned it up. Like, I could see the lights come on. 
And I have to say, since I've become an avid horseback rider, I haven't needed in like over a year. Yeah. But so also, that's my horse. I know, right? <laughs> Please. I always make the joke to the vet and they're like, I'm like, you got any ketamine in here? Yeah, I'm, like, I'm sure my horse would need a yeah, lot more yeah, than me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I probably take your horses. Joking. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because, yeah, you kind of, um, and I think that's why you want to do it under a doctor. Like, you, you know, you, you go up a little each time. Oh, totally. Right? And, but again, it's different than you taking it on the street because the reason it's great through an IV is you're staying at the same level the whole time. It's not like you're just blowing lines of this smell of really that. hot, yeah. Yeah, like, totally. So it is wild because I am not someone that, I'm a total control freak. I'm not a hallucinogenic drug person. And those are the people who need it though. Yeah, it's Because funny. it's the yeah. control freaks. Yeah. When I was like, wait, what? The first few times out? I did it, my brain was so strong. I'm like, I'm not letting them, I'm not yeah. going to get down. I'm like, I want to yeah. stay through this. Yeah. It's finally letting yourself you let, let go. go of control and say, yeah. I'm safe in the environment I'm in and I'm going to just yeah. try this. You know, I've had a few times where I woke up and I was French crying. Don't yeah. remember crying. Yeah. And then feel like a new person. Because I, I like to say it kind of like what you're saying with the vacuum in the brain. I almost like to say like, we have wired our brain these certain ways for years and we get stuck in these patterns, patterns whether that's not leaving the house or being bummed or whatever. Mm -hmm. And for me, the ketamine is just opening the brain, cleaning it out mm -hmm. and bringing new ideas to the surface. And yeah. you just feel, for me, it just helped me be able to leave my house. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like it got me to just feel, oh, I could go to an event and I could talk to people and, oh, I can do this. You just feel lighter. Like, I feel lighter. And it's, I think also for many people that may suffer from bad side effects, maybe from a certain antidepressant that helps them, from what I know and it, the doctors I've talked to, there really are not a lot of side effects. And that's the thing. And what bothers me so much is someone who's been in the hospital and dealing with doctors. And like the last time I was in the hospital with a kidney stone, oh, let's pump morphine into her IV. Let's pump this. Let's do that. And some people can get obviously yeah. addicted in that one second. For me, I'm like telling these nurses, I'm like, hey, could you just give me a hit of ketamine? Like, I know yeah. what, I know my dosage. I have my script. They're like, what they're is like, this who lady? is this? Yeah. Like, what is this girl <laughs> saying? I'm like, what, you'd rather me do morphine? Yeah. Feel worse. I get so sick from the Many narco. people do, yeah. I get so sick. My body can't take it. Right. And they use ketamine for like kids with surgery and right. all these things. But, you know, me knowing what works for my body, God forbid they like let me do what works. Well, I think it, that's changing slowly, right? Mm -hmm. Like now they're, they say that in the next 10 years that they may end up giving people MDMA that come to the ER that have had a trauma, which is really cool to think which about. Which would be amazing. Yeah. So it's, you know, we're on the right path, but I've, I think for many, they're thinking more traditionally. Totally. And actually the, the guy who started Ketamine Clinic of Los Angeles told me that I think it was like in the 80s, they noticed that the soldiers that were having operations that had really bad PTSD, they would use ketamine in surgery and they would notice they'd be just a little brighter. And that's how they ended up realizing, oh, this can be used for different things. Totally. And I think that's, it's helped me work through so much trauma. And as a vet, you're walking around with the gnarliest trauma. No, yeah. I mean, you don't even, you can't even fathom I, what no, these people have dealt with. And so, you know, to see some of these vets starting these treatments who were suicidal a week ago and then they're like you know at a baseball yeah. game living their best life it's like why is this not more talked about right and that's kind of why I'm like at the point of my life I'm like you know what I'm gonna talk about it because right. it's 
saved, genuinely has saved my life. And I can truly say that. And it's not like I've done it once and it's not that I've done it for a year. I've done it for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a game changer. It's weird because it, if you are an addict, you don't want to be doing it, but it helps you not want. I think it's just in a case by case scenario. Exactly. You know what I, I mean? Think everything is case by case. That is why I say do it with a doctor. Now, has it helped like your pain at all? Because I know sometimes it can help physical pain. So what it's helped me with not only just living a life like a normal person, right. it has helped me understand my pain. It doesn't mm-hmm. totally put it away, but it helps me deal with it. Mm-hmm. It helps me just be like, okay, I, I have the pain, but I... Less sticky. Less sticky. Yeah. But, like, if I'm really having pain and I didn't... And if you, oh, you don't feel pain. Right, right, I right. I mean, in the in the process while you're doing it, like, it's... Yeah, I know. It's feeling. like... And, like, oh, this is how normal people feel. Like, yeah. not in pain. I know. I just... I, yeah, it's interesting how you say it where it's like, you're like, I'm holding on, and then you're like... Whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. And yeah. that's the best part. It's yeah. like... Because you're like me. You're, yeah. You seem it's like very you're like tight. You're, like you have a lot You're well tight. Yeah. You're control like your is going. And then it's like. Yeah. No, it's. And, and actually, when I first did the doctor, he explained it in a really great way where he's like, you should think of it. Because I was honestly so low. I wasn't even trying to hold on. I was like, I'll try anything. My mom was with me. It was, mm-hmm. you know, it was emotional. Absolutely. And he was like, you should think about it like a roller coaster ride. And you're going to go through waves and you'll hear the music and yep. you'll pull the lever and you're going to go. And that's kind of how I, I think of it whenever I have an infusion. Totally. Which I think is helpful. And I think going into it with, with the right mindset of yes. feeling positive, like I'm going to go into this yes. and hope for the best. Right. You know, but sometimes you need those scary wake up call. What Like I had one, this was pretty recent. I had one in the last year and I was dealing with not only do I have like pain and stuff, but it was, I was getting really thin with oh. just dealing with chronic illness. And I was, you just had no appetite or you, yeah. Was, uh... And almost anxiety with eating with what I had. Cause everything triggers. I see this was maybe last year and uh-huh. I was really, really thin. And everyone was like, you're looking too thin. It was affecting my work. It was affecting everything. That's I'm sure really helping. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. Just like, <laughs> you're looking thank, too thin. You're thank like, you great. guys. Appreciate yeah. The help. Uh-huh. Glad you're worried. Um, <laughs> I came out. I was crying, and I was like, "I need to change this." Right. I go, "Oh my god!" Like I, I almost saw death. I basically went in this trip, and I saw me dying. I was like, oh "What my was god. the trip?" You mean out of LA, like just to get away? No, or you were uh, working. When I, the trip. When oh, I was the not, Ken- okay, so okay, I okay, went okay. Under yes, yes, yes. And I came yes. out, and I was like, "I'm gonna die if I don't fix this." Right. right. And so for people, like whether it's in eating disorder rehabs or things like that, using treatment to help. Oh my God, it like kind of put everything in perspective. And then a couple of weeks later, I was eating more. I was, you know, I got my chest back kind of finally. I lost my boobs. So I'm enjoying having like my body coming back. But I can't, I can't rave more about it. I, I know. Mean, no, I can't either. You know, I how was literally do you, like, do you still stay with it? How often do you feel well, you I need it? Well, I haven't. It's, it's, it actually for me has a very long term effect. That's great. And that's and what I'm lucky where like yeah, first it was every three months, then it was four, then it was six, and now it's been a it'll be a year in July. I love that. Yeah. So I think and I I'm very lucky to have found this doc, this psychiatrist who he really knows me. Like he knows when like, okay, we better schedule, you know, a treatment and they and can I, feel they they yeah. get it. They pick up on yeah, like, what I'm, you're like oh, I'm not feeling great or whatever. Yeah. And but he knows when it's time to go, okay, this is it. Totally. You get into, like, for me, I think from being on the Lexapro for so long, 
when I try mushrooms or anything, nothing really, I don't feel much because I have like a blocker. Actually, that happened to me with MDMA or I I didn't feel it. It's so weird. Because people that... say that if you're on, because I've been on Zoloft and Wellbutrin for so long. That's what I mean. So we are receptors. Is that what it, or or it just doesn't work? Like I think it's I think it's from being on the antidepressant. Yeah, like on an SSRI. Is that bizarre? That is crazy. So do you dabble with mushrooms or no? Yeah. My cousin who won't even care me saying like he's such a partier. He's like you're. He's like I love how you have to do ketamine before you come home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yeah, like I'd be no, late. but I have to like plan. Like, if I'm going to see my parents, stressors. no, it's stressors. It's, it's like family it is and family stress. A lot of things come up when you yeah, see your like, family. Yeah, like it's almost honestly, it's mo- that time of year. Like Thanksgiving, Christmas is normally when I would have to do a treatment. That's, a long time. I mean, that that like my doctor will just he was like, oh, you really, I don't like, want you going home until you've done this. And my family's like, holiday. oh, you've really become LA. <laughs> yeah. No, but the holiday is really hard. But that's it's 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 just. So cool. Like when I when I saw you at the event and you were talking about it, I'm like, I just want more people to be aware yeah, of it. Like that's it's awesome. just it's just there are things we can do to help ourselves and there's nothing to yeah. be ashamed of. And I've always been so afraid to like talk about my usage of, you know, medications and things like that. But I'm also like, if this helped me, yeah, help someone else. And even if I just help one girl who has IC or something, that's what, what I want to talk about. Originally wanna talk about it. So I have this lovely, lovely friend who I can't like, speak higher about who works at Self Magazine. Okay. And me and her kind of built this relationship and I kind of told her about my IC and I was like, look, I've always wanted to talk about it, but I don't know how to, and I don't know the right outlet. And she, yeah, she's worked for Conde Nast forever. She's a legend. And she was like, let's do a video. And I was like, that's like what I want to do. I don't want to do an article. I don't want to do like a weird press thing. Mm-hmm. I just want to like share it in mm-hmm. my own way. And we did that. But then I did that and then like never really talked about it again. <laughs> so I need to like, this is why I was so excited right. to do this. It's like kind of have to continue because I've built like the fan base of girls who have right. it. Interesting. So the response so is always, probably really great. Yeah. So they're always like writing me and asking me techniques and things like that. So I need to find a way to talk right. about it more. Before we go into the five questions I always mm-hmm. end with, what has worked the best for you with IC? The diet. Really? And what the is that? What can't you eat on? I just remember looking at that and being like, wow. Alcohol. Like if I have alcohol, it's, you know like, it's like pouring yeah. alcohol on a wound. Chocolate that I love. But yeah, like oh, you said, tomatoes, red sauces. Yeah. I live for, I don't know if it's from growing up in Florida, oh. live for hot sauce. That's. I haven't had hot sauce in years so that's that was right whatever right if that's what I have to lose whatever but diet waking up every morning doing hot yoga and working out okay yeah you let him I have to work out through it if I don't work out in the morning it's like okay static or I don't know something about waking up in the morning working out I do a lot of uh cryo 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 oh yes I love that too that kind of just numbs my body yeah but what I'm really realizing in years of having this stress is a killer absolutely for every and any inflammation or chronic illness or autoimmune stress is your number one right thing. which is so hard because when you have something like that it makes you more stressed <laughs> totally and then you're like totally Great. like everything feels totally. so crazy so i've come to a point and i think kind of like you were saying like during covid i was like i'm stressing over things i can't control you know and listening to my body like okay maybe there's like a appearance or a job in the middle of nowhere and I'm sometimes I'm just like I can't do it right or I can't fly to Europe right and spend a well week travel in. definitely disrupts travel any kind flares of me like crazy I think everyone it's just getting on a plane and it's just 
It's like, because it's inflammation, right? And I think for me, what was so hard when I was diagnosed and what causes so much depression is how I couldn't do the job I love. Right, right. You know, I couldn't really show up when I was dealing with it at the start because I didn't know how to handle it. Now I feel like I'm in this place where I can be a girl who talks about it and I can be a girl who can give solutions, you know? Yeah. Um, Can you tell me about best buddies? Yes. Yes. And again, the other thing that is like, what, like you said, like getting the podcast and best buddies is kind of my mm-hmm. thing that I yeah. just love. And it takes me out of Charlotte. Yeah. You know, I think what everyone like thinks you are. Yeah. it ta- Well, it just takes me out of caring about myself. Right. We worry about ourselves so much. So for me, if I'm dealing with stuff, I'm like, I want to go put my energy into hanging out with a kid. Of the physical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got involved in best buddies in high school, actually. Oh, wow. I didn't love the high school I went to, I didn't have friends. I wasn't good in school. I read that. And that's so weird to me that you didn't have friends because you seem really outgoing. And I feel like personality. Well, like my that. friends were my buddies. So I'm working with kids who could be in high school to in their 40s. To okay. So 50. it's a big, it's not it's just a big kids. range. Okay. And it's about helping them find friends, find jobs, find a purpose. Like a community. I did it in high school because those were honestly just like the kids I wanted to hang out with. I was like, this kid that. with Down syndrome gets me more than like, yeah, than like these this girl who sucks, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I've just always had a passion and it's genuinely like, it's just a genuine love and passion in my, in my right. life. I'm actually going to Boston on Friday to like go play a football game with all the buds. And I think Best Buddies has saved me more than I've saved them. Right. You know, like I, I it does so much for me mentally and I love it. And, it, and it's interesting because- Doing best buddies and then doing it as someone who has an audience. Yeah. See celebrities come in and come to these events and things and take the picture. And then leave, and right? Leave. Isn't and, that so gross? And you see that all the I mean, time in LA. See it all the time. You really do. I'm like, why are you even here? So I was They're like, like shoving I, the kids. Yeah, I was like, I was confused when I went to my first like celebrity yeah, yeah. Like thing with buddies. Thing. Yeah. I was like, whoa, this is about photos. Because yeah. I'd go to these things well, and not here. even bring my phone and yeah, you're because you're being present. And... So that's that's been really interesting. And if you ever want to be involved, yes. you can call me. But we're always doing events and things out okay. there, so I will let you know. But it's it's a game changer. All right. Well, we always end with our rapid five questions. Love it. Love a rapid. Don't, yeah, oh, trying, as I'm like trying, trying to, trying to, to like it, I'm like, hey, hey, hey. What do you do for a mental break? Ah, uh, cannabis usage. I thought you were going to say ketamine. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm starting to make myself like a jerky. Without um, drug... I think for me, I live by the water. I think just like going and looking at the beach, okay. getting connected to nature, which being is something outside. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't really do, but I need to do it more. I grew up in Florida and like being by the water mentally has just saved me. Mm-hmm. So I'll just take time and go outside and like connect with. Yeah. When is the last time you cried? Ooh, I've been doing good. I'm like proud of myself. <laughs> when was the last time I cried? And I think an audition. How long ago was it? This may have been. Like three months ago, maybe. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, I haven't been crying. I go through phases where oh, I cry. Really? Like, I feel like I cry like every yeah, day. Yeah, so like, it was all, an hour. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, so I'm always like amazing. Yeah, and my cry like... for my audition wasn't really that great. So, um, but a real, real cry. Oh, you mean you cried? I thought you meant you cried after no, the audition. No, no, I cried for the audition. <laughs> okay, um, okay, okay. So clearly the crying wasn't good enough. Um, <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. Cried. I mean, if you should I'm really think crying. about it. But, I'm, I, but then I think about it, I'm always crying about something, probably something silly with, like, my boyfriend or something. Okay. Um, what are you currently reading? I'm going to, like, just be super honest. 
I'm a horrible reader. With dyslexia, I have to hear stuff. I'm trying to read more because I, I, I do like it if I find something that I like. Like my psychiatrist will always give me like a cool book. Yeah, but some people just aren't, you know, I'm just so re- sometimes like, it's like, well, okay, what music are you listening to? Like, yeah. One of my other words, I'm like, okay, um, never mind. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. What's the best and worst advice you've been given? Mm, I think just like bad advice would just like be people who had worked for me to like push me into things that were weren't like my authentic self. And I think, you know, I've been managed or I've been with agents and things like that. And any advice of people like steering me out of like who I am or to do things to be cooler. That weren't for you. Weren't for me. I think that's bad advice. And I think the best advice is just being your true authentic self. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we all work so hard at like being these insanely great versions and it's yeah we all kind of tend to look the same when we do that right so um yeah be your true authentic that's good what instagram account do you find uplifting i mean for me it's i i'm comedy is my fave here so i just follow the crazy comedians that just do the craziest stuff and it just brings me so much joy and it inspires me to just not give a f what people think yeah you know i think that's good yeah Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. And thank you to Charlotte for joining me. Where can our listeners find you? Charlotte McKinney on Instagram. Are people making you do TikTok? Yes. But I actually, I think it's, I actually find it fun, but I I don't find that I get as wrapped into it as Instagram. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it's Um, fun, but. Another thing I get so much anxiety is this constant need to be posting. And well, then it, I wouldn't, like, because I think people can tell when you feel like you have to post something. It's, 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 that's what's been bothering me the most lately is this constant feel of, like, having to produce content. No, it's, it's kind of, it's insane. Like, I used to have, which, when you were saying you're doing research, I used to have a clothing line, and I can't imagine having one now because they constantly want, like, just anybody wants, it's like content, content, content. Oh, I just had a, I just had a meeting with a brand that, I was yeah. going to, you know, possibly work with them. Yeah. Like, you just need to be posting more video. And I'm like, I, what am I going to, like, Ugh. like, I hate it. It maybe, makes me cringe. But, honestly, but maybe, this needs, maybe this is more but of, But like, also, maybe you should just post that. <laughs> exactly. You're like, I hate this. Because, like, too. people, I think, are, like, over it. Where can our listeners find you? They can find me on Instagram, just my name. And then okay. the TikToks I'm not great at, but I have one. All right. Well, that's all, folks. Be sure to subscribe, comment, and give us five stars. And we can be found anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Thank you for tuning in to Ben Better. How about you? To learn more, please visit benbetterhbu.com and check out our Instagram, bbhbu. Slide into our DMs with your questions and or comments. Also, be sure to subscribe for your weekly prescription. This pharmacy is open 24-7.